Wham! Head kick, out cold, title change. This is Tall Can Audio. What's up, everybody? Welcome inside a Friday edition of the Tall Can Audio podcast. Coming to you from our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. We're on social media at Tall Can Audio. Give us a follow there. Make sure you're subscribed to the pod wherever you're hearing us right now. Matt Robinson here with you, sitting across the table today from my buddy Steve Bunda. What's up, man? Hey, hey, Matty. You know what? It's another good day because uh, when I got here, there were no Tall Can Audio fans outside looking to like kind of beat me up and not let me in the building. Usually, they're, they're pretty grumpy when they see me approaching. Think the say, sage drove them away. Yeah, you know, what? maybe it was Lee. <laughs> uh, maybe it's just uh, you know I caught them off guard. It's uh, you know a different kind of day, but uh, yeah. you know what? I'm always happy to be here with you, man. How you doing? Things are all right, man. Uh, yeah, it's been a, a fun day around here as you and I sit and record this on a Thursday afternoon. We uh, we put out the news that, that Lever's going to be around a little bit more often. Lever Sage Thursday. It's going to be fun. And uh, and so we, we've been getting some fun feedback on that, right? And, and people excited to hear more of, uh, of Lee. So that's going to be kind of cool. Otherwise, yeah, it's a nice fall day and, and we're going to get into the weather here because, uh, or the season anyway, because... I know this is a big part of, of who Steve Bunda is, is what happens in oh, October. So it's, it's we'll, my time. We'll talk a little about that. We're also going to talk some fights. We'll probably talk some NFL, some hockey. We've got a bunch of stuff we can get into, but we always start with the beers. And uh, I've mentioned a few different times, actually, maybe before we even get to the beers, I should point out uh, all week as I've been promoting that we were going to do this show, I've had to keep going like, and maybe Graham Creech, Creech might be here. Graham Creech is not here. The, Ooh, the yeah. pigeon has backed out at the last second. It's Creature, eh? <laughs> Uh, they keep him pretty busy. Uh, two two sessions of Sen's practice on Thursday that I guess he had to, to cover. Or, or or he just bailed. I have no idea. So no Creech today, but uh, we soldier on, man. You and I have done this a bunch of times. We know how to uh, to get this done. You have beers sitting there, and uh, these come from our friend Angela Thompson at uh, the Lake of Bays Brewery, who, uh, who was nice enough the last time she came in to do the show and drop some stuff off for us here. Uh, she brought some stuff just for Bunda. Yes, and uh, one, I love you, Angela, because uh, one, I love beer, yeah. uh, but two, but you gave me a nice assortment from Lake of Bays, and uh, one, because you and me are also here, and uh, one or whatever number we're on, uh, I'm starting with this one. It is the Pumpkin Ale from Lake of Bays. It is uh, 6%, so it looks pretty good. It's yeah. cold. It's an orange can with a truck with pumpkins on it, which also <laughs> kind of just catches my eye. I, I sure. love that, so I'm going to get into that before I get into what else she brought me, so... Uh, one, oh, there you go. There we go. All right. Also, I'm happy that for once I actually remembered to wait till I was on air to open my <laughs> beer so you could hear me open it up. Those rookie mistakes, everybody cracking their beer, just wanting to get into it before we even start the show. So, uh, I do have one or two artificial can opening sounds in the, uh, in the music collection here in the okay. studio. So every now and then if, if people forget, or sometimes I forget, I can still I can add it in after the fact if we had to, but uh, authentic is best. Uh, before I let you get into what else she's uh, left for you there, I also have a pumpkin beer here. This though is from Big Rig and it is their pumpkin porter. So I'm looking forward to that, man. I'm, uh, you know me, I'm all about the, uh, the dark beers and stuff. So, uh, this will sit pretty nice with me. And, uh, she left you there uh, a six pack. And uh, actually, there's a couple other beers over here that she brought in. I just don't see the guy. I've never actually met face-to-face with uh, Roz Gibby, Zach. Uh, oh. She brought some of Lake of Bay's... Uh, getting the McGibbon. Right. Uh, he's uh, he's not really a, a drinker, so she brought some of their non-alcoholic beers for him to try because we want to get him in here and talk some wrestling with him one of these days. Uh, we just haven't been able to set a date yet. So she was very generous last time she was in here. Brought stuff for me, brought stuff for you, brought stuff for Gibby. Uh, 
Good stuff, man. So uh, thanks to Angela. Yeah, honestly, the over at uh, make sure you've, you're trying your uh, your Lake of Bays beers. It's uh, it's always good stuff. And thank you to Angela. What else did she bring you? There's uh, there was a six pack there. You've uh, started with the pumpkin one. What else you got in there? Yeah, the pumpkin one, very smooth, very tasty. I like it. Not too uh, overbearing, but it has a nice uh, hint of like I just oh, I like when it's not overbearing. Like you know when you get something that's a little too pumpkiny yeah. or it's a little you know they put too much flavor. This is very smooth, very nice, very. Nice. Ah, tasty. I like this one. So once again, Angela, you're an absolute sweetheart for one, giving me beers, but also giving me a pumpkin one because festive I am. I love Halloween. It is my time of the year. Uh, There's also a hazy pale ale, which is off the grid, which- That's uh, a great beer. Tried that one over the summer. Really good. Really nice. Nice purple can there. A juicy light IPA, which has a nice picture of a house on it. It's called Downtime Juicy Light IPA, Mm -hmm. 3.5% with a nice little- pink background and some trees. I like that. Yeah. The can art is always pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like that stuff. We'll go over to the other side, which has a red ale, a spark house, which is nice. That's one of my favorite all time beers, man. One of the very first craft beers I ever tried was that spark house. Very, very good. Yeah. Red ale. I haven't had a red in a long time, so I'm all about that. Yeah. Uh, there's a dark lager in here. Moonstruck dark lager. I actually think I might've tried this one. I've tried that one. It's very nice. I think that was one she brought in for the first time. When she was here uh, in the fall, knows I'm a I'm all about the dark beers, so I liked that one quite a bit as well. Yeah, it sounds very familiar, and the can looks very familiar. So it's a 4.2 percent dark lager, mm-hmm. and the last one I see a white can, and it's a pilsner. It is on the hunt with a wolf. That's badass with <laughs> some birds. Oh yeah, Italian style pilsner, 4.5 percent. So once again, Angela, thank you for being an absolute sweetheart. I will absolutely take good care of these beers, and <laughs> Give them uh, a good home. Yes, they will have a great home, and they will be ingested into my stomach very soon. So I appreciate that, especially when it's horror movie season. Uh, like I said, I'm drinking the pumpkin ale now because it's very festive and we're midst of October. We have horror movie season has been going on. Yes. This is what we're talking about for an hour, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But uh, how many have you gotten into? Have you gotten into any Halloween spirit? I come into your apartment and I notice there's not many Halloween decorations. So I'm a little disappointed yeah, in you. No. Uh, the only Halloween style thing I probably have around the house is I, I may have already grabbed one of those boxes of, uh, of candy that will never make it to October oh, yeah. 31st. Come on. You know how many this times I've done that? Snack on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's about the only sign of Halloween around here at this point. But, uh, we had a good time at, uh, at the cottage on Thanksgiving, you know, the weed, uh, weeds, the leaves are down. And so, you know, my niece and nephew are jumping in the piles and stuff and having a good time with that. So it's, it's been fun, man. But I know this is a big time of year for Bunda. This is, uh, it's all over your social media. This is the, uh, the horror movie marathon. Um, and I don't know, man, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to be getting longer. Like it sort of feels like you started this in like mid September. Oh man. I started watching horror. I, I... It's, there's two things here. So I started watching horror movies, I don't know, probably in August okay. because of the weather, right? August was a very colder That's kind right, of fall. Right. It was more fall. August was colder than September was. September, yeah, September was heated right back up. Yeah. It kind of made things weird for yeah. me because I was already in like the, the fall mood in August and I was feeling it. And then September rolled around and it was like, okay, but I started October 1st watching my movies. I watch as many as I can up until October 31st. Right. Uh, maybe November 1st. I was uh, telling you off air as well. Like I just like to, you know what? There's a FOMO. It's like, you know, the day after Halloween is one of my, it's like depressing day. It's like, oh man. It's like, like the day after Christmas yeah. for you, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, this is done with now. So I usually squeeze one more in on November 1st, but, uh, I've been watching those, but, uh, I've watched a bunch leading up to it as well to get me in the mood and feel sure. good. Um, so that, that is my Some big thing. Some preseason, uh, horror movies. Yeah. So, that, so 
anything new in the rotation this year, or is it the same ones that you always watch? Have you changed it up at all this year? What's what's happened? Where are we at in horror movies uh, here in October, man? Yeah, I've uh, I've uh, I've got a couple I still need to get to that I really want to watch. They put out a new Exorcism movie. I need to or the new Exorcist movie. I want to check in on that. Saw Ten came out. I need to get in on Saw Ten because making those, eh? yeah, they are. And and you know what? Uh, everybody hates Saw because of how gory it is <laughs> and how gruesome it is and how torture porn everyone calls it. But uh, I like the storylines and it's usually very uh, interesting and it's I cool. watched the first one. I'm not really a horror movie guy. I watched the first one. I really liked it. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I know some people saw right through it, right? I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen Saw, but like the way it ended, right? And and um, I didn't see it coming. I, I, I didn't know that's how it was going to end. And I liked it. I, but for whatever reason, I, not enough to ever be like, when would Saw 2 comes out, I'll check that out or Saw 3. Like yeah, it was yeah. just like, oh, I've. I saw the one. That's enough. It's just not really my style of music. Yeah. Music movie. No, very solid though. A storyline and franchise that they have going on. They've had a couple others. Jigsaw, Spiral with Kevin Rock. Like there's a good couple of them in there, but Saw 10 came out and Saw 10 is supposed to take place between Saw 1 and 2. Okay. So I watched Saw 1, 2, 3. We're going to start doing the Star Wars thing where we're jumping around in the timeline. Probably, but that's how you keep it going, right? (laughs) Yeah, 100%. I need to, I always make sure, I don't have a lot of rules. I usually kind of go with the flow and I watch uh, the movies I like, but I always try and get a few new ones in. Uh, There's someone inside your house on Netflix and you know what? Not bad, not great, but not bad. I watched that one, which is a newer one. Um, I watched one called Killer Book Club. Not good. Don't recommend. Highly don't recommend. Please don't watch that movie. Not good. Um, but then I've got a couple, like I said, Saw 10 I want to get to. I want to get the new Exorcism out. Uh, but I want to make sure that uh, I just I watched a lot of the good movies. I, I mix up the classics and the newer ones. Like I watched Screams 1 through 4. I already watched Scream and Scream 6, or I guess is what you want to call it now. Um, not bad, but I didn't make the, mix them into my rotation because I want to kind of get as many in that I really want to watch. I need to make sure I get the strangers in and uh, my main rule is watching Halloween 1 and 2 on Halloween night. I was That's, just going to ask you, and I've probably asked you before, yeah, what is, the, is there always the same capper on Halloween? And, yeah. yeah. The original Halloween is like my favorite all-time horror movie uh, from 1978. Now they've done so many different ones. In one year, I think I watched every single Halloween movie ever made. That was my thread. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it was like, okay, but even I just saw like they had Halloween Kills that came, or Halloween Ends came out last year hmm. and that was the third. They did a reboot trilogy. Danny McBride was a part of the producing team, um, uh, Kenny Powers, if people don't know who Dan McBride <laughs> okay, is, but yeah. uh, he was part of it. And uh, like Halloween came out, it was good. Then Halloween Kills came out. Yeah, okay, it's the second of a trilogy. Usually it's one that you're like, okay, whatever happens here, it either just, it, it's basically useless because it just kind of slingshot to the third movie. Um, and then the third one was Halli- Halloween Ends. And the way it ended, they kind of, you know, kill off Michael Myers. Like, that's the way it goes. He's unkillable. And that's like, spoiler alert, everybody. But I've already seen that they're already shopping the rights to the movie. So it's going to come out with more. So we're doing some more. No no matter what, like you said, these franchises kind of always live to hang on. But uh, (laughs) I just love this time of the year in general, Matt. Like, when you get to October, like, it's NFL's in play. College football's heating up pretty good. The NHL is back. Uh, you know, baseball, baseball playoffs, playoffs are on. Like you've got a lot going on right now. And then, like I said, then you're mixing in horror movies. I like the fall. I like the weather at this time of the year. It's a little bit cooler, but it's still nice throughout the day. Like yeah. it's just my favorite time of the year. I love the fall. I love Halloween. Like I love the the pranks, the scaredness. I love the fun. Like I love Do the Snickers bars. 
Oh, I love the candy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. man, that's for sure. That's for sure. You always got to go to shoppers or, or one of the stores man. around because they have discount candy coming on very soon. And it's like, they want to get rid you of it You got to pick the box carefully, right? Because you, you don't want to get stuck with like the, I don't know, like the Twix or something, right? You want to make oh, sure you I love the Twix. Okay. I'm all about the Twix. <laughs> Everybody's got their own taste, right? But there's some boxes you look at like, ah, that one's not for me. And then oh. oh, this one, I, it's got the Mars and the Snickers and the Reese's. You're like, that's me. That's my box. Right? Oh man, there's a candy one I'm obsessed with right now, uh, Maddie. It's got... Uh, Jolly Rancher gummies. Oh yeah, it's like okay. Jolly Rancher misfits, <laughs> and then it has uh, pull and peels. But it has the pull and peel regular, and it has like a, a rainbow pull and peel. And there's like three kinds of Jolly Rancher candy in it. Oh my gosh, dude! See, I'm more of a chocolate guy, not really the candy. Oh, type, I'm, right? I'm all, I'm both. Okay. But, <laughs> but like right now, that that candy bag, hey, man, it's like fifty bucks. Or no, not fifty, but there's no. fifty pieces of candy yeah. for like twelve bucks right now, and it's on sale. <laughs> I, it's just, I'm like, oh, I, you might as well just take my money, right? So, yeah, so well, good. you mentioned uh, a couple different places we could start here on the sports thing, but I wanted to start with a, a, a text you sent me the other day that just had a link in it to a Sports Illustrated piece, Pedro Martinez speculating on where we might see Shohei Otani land if he leaves the uh, the Angels, which I, which I think at this point most people expect he probably will. Uh, but Pedro was saying Boston. Mm-hmm. And I know you're a Red Sox guy, and, and maybe we shouldn't be surprised that that's what Pedro thinks. I have no idea whether Pedro Martinez has any inside information on what Sho- Shohei Otani is thinking. But is that like a... Are you cool with that signing? Cause this is going to be a thing. Obviously, you're cool with getting Shohei Otani. Anybody yeah. would be, right? But they're talking about this guy being like $450 million, $500 million, and he can't pitch for the first year of that contract, right? He's going to hit, but he won't be able to pitch. He's got that elbow issue that he's had uh, having surgery on, and that's going to mean that for the first year of that deal, you don't get the thing that makes him a $500 million player, right? Essentially, mm-hmm. you're buying an elite pitcher and an elite hitter, and that should make him the richest uh, player in in history. Does it scare you that not having the ability to pitch for the first year and then not really knowing whether he'd go back to it afterwards? I assume he would, but like, there's some question marks now that weren't supposed to be there. Yeah, I don't like it, to be honest. Uh, I think we're in a spot now for Shohei Otani. He's been around the league quite a bit, and he's dealt with injuries his whole career. Like, the last couple of years, he's been different. Like, he's been a lot healthier, but he's still battling injuries. And now, like you said, the injury came up already this year after, what, I think it was almost half the season where he was tearing it up. And, like, this guy looked like, he, oh, he again, MVP, yeah, right? Like, yeah, he, yeah. He, was, he was having a great year. But... You're getting older. You you know you're going to get hurt more. Whatever he signs his contract, it's not what he's going to do moving forward. It's what he's done. Yeah. So whoever pays him, and if it is Boston, which I, I, like I'm not going to be totally against it, but no. he's just you're never living up to that contract type, no right. matter what it is. You sign him to a 500 million dollar contract, or I think I think people even joked like he might sign a billion dollar contract, <laughs> right? Like it's just like it's crazy to think yeah. how much money this guy's going to make, but it just it's going to be next to impossible for him to live up to it. Friend, like free agents, it's next to impossible to ever live up. Up to the hype, you know, you hear it in almost every sport. Free agency is usually the time where GMs look stupid. It's not very often where good players go to the market. Now, I'm not sure if he's good. I'm, I'm sure, I still believe he might go back to the yeah. Angels. I don't fully, but like, I know things didn't end off very well between that him and the team. And they, I just, I see that happening, but I can see someone it's over because they were sort of in it and then they made some deals at the deadline yeah. and it fell apart. Um, and that's really the first time they've done anything to try and surround him and Trout with the kind of team that might be able to take a run, and it just didn't work. Now, maybe the effort was enough, right? He saw that they tried, and he'd be willing to go back there. The one thing that I think is a strike against Boston for Otani is he seems to, and a lot of these Japanese guys, like the West Coast. It's as close, like, 
it's still going to be a, a wicked time change thing. But for people in Japan, watching West Coast games is easier than watching East Coast games. And so that's important, uh, even just for flying back and forth, family or whatever's going to happen there. So I, I could see the Dodgers. They always have more money than God, right? They can they could do that if yeah. they wanted to. And I've even heard Seattle in the mix. I don't know whether they would have that kind of cake kicking around to, to make that happen. But again, the West Coast thing. Uh, and then, I don't know, maybe the Yankees decide... It's time we're going to make that big move. And that's, to me, what would bring the Red Sox in, right? Like, if it's if he's coming into the AL East, it's going to be a bidding war between those two. Yeah, and the Yankees are at a spot right now. Where, and, you know, it's funny because you look back the last couple of years, Boston's done a good job of shedding a lot of their like, yeah. their salary yeah. and getting rid of a lot of their stars, trying to get well underneath yeah, the luxury reset tax. Reset that luxury tax. Exactly, and, and get to a spot where they can spend. Yep. And, you know, they've always had a, a good ability of bringing, you know, Japanese pitchers over, right? Yeah, yeah. Matsuzaka. You True. Know, you, you go through a couple of the guys. Well, just that, last summer, the guy's name escapes me. He's not a pitcher, an outfielder that they brought yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, same here, and I yeah. can't remember right now. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, they, they've always been able to do that. The Yankees, I'm curious if they can afford something like this just because they do have quite the, the roster set up and quite the salary cap yeah. set up right now. So I look at Boston as a, you know, a prime area. If Boston wants to pay, overpay for them, I just, I don't like it because I think right away there's no chance Shohei Otani is going to live up to the hype. Like you said, he's not going to be able to pitch at all for the first year. So I assume by the time he comes back two years from now to pitch, he's just not going to be the same Cy Young kind of pitcher he was yeah. this year. Like he wasn't last year, more of a Cy Young pitcher, but you know, he had quite the stats this sure. year he had the pitching on town pat like yeah, he was yeah. tearing it up both with the ball uh, with the bat and he was gonna win 20 games and hit 40 home runs yeah wild <laughs> this guy was literally had the chance like you know we joke about how he like he's mvp and cy young are two different awards in the mlb but he could have won both yeah, maybe yeah. this year if he had kept it up right? right this was a time where you know it would have been hard you know he would have won an mvp for one of them i'm sure but i just you really want to see him do that i just don't see how he could do that and you know two years from now again it's going to be harder i'd have to look up at his exact age right now I don't know if you know it off the top of your head just heading into his 30s yeah heading into his 30s and I I really think that uh, you know when you get down to it like it's just it's harder it's hard mileage on your body and I you know like I said when he came over he was always known as this guy that could do this for a while right he could do both he could pitch and he could hit yeah but we never saw it right? It was tough. Like we'd see pieces of it. He would be very inconsistent or he'd be injured and he'd yes. only be batting at one point and like, and, or he'd be pitching it on and off. And so then, like I said, it just, it's very difficult to get back to that pace. And he had like these two years where we haven't seen since Babe Ruth, right? Like it's, it's, yeah. these are historic seasons that he's had. And even the half season he had this year, like I said, I kind of wish he was able to finish it off with both pitching and batting the way he was able to kind of, you know, maintain most of it. Like yep. he was, he was nasty and you know, it would have been really cool to see the whole season like this. And if he was able to do something like that, like you said, 20 wins, 40 home runs, like that would have been so sick. But do you, uh, do you think, and look, you and I we weren't around to see Babe Ruth, but it would be hard to argue based on what we've seen from this guy recently before he got hurt, like that this might be the best baseball player of all time. What he's doing on both sides mm-hmm. of the ball, right? Hitting like that, pitching like that. And to have him like here in our lifetimes, in HD, you know, you can watch them on TV every night. Like, just incredible. Like, I'm with you that if I'm Boston, if I'm New York, if I'm who I haven't heard any rumblings at all that would suggest Toronto even has a chance. But like, if you're a fan of one of these teams that he is interested in, even if you sort of know there's a good chance the money might not pay off the way you hope it does. There's something to be said for like I want to watch this guy every night, right? Like, the well, best, that's the thing, yeah, right? You like, want you want to you want to sell. It's and that's, so special, right? To have. If this, like I said, I think you could make that argument that this might be the best baseball player we've ever seen. And to have him in your market for the next however many years wearing your jersey, 
that's worth something, right? Yeah. And that's the thing. You're, whoever signs him is paying him to basically sell tickets, sell merchandise, and uh, draw fan, new fans in, right? That's yep. exactly what it is. It's not here. Like, sure, I, I, you know what? Maybe he'll get a season or two into it, but it's very, very tough for free agents to usually work out well and and to go uh, fill, fulfill the contract yeah. that they sign. And especially when it's going to be someone like Otani, who, like I said, he's going to be getting paid an astronomical number here, like a crazy number. It's yep. going to be crazy when. <laughs> And he gets paid and it's just, it's so hard to live up to that hype. And as soon as like, you know, he starts faltering, he doesn't pitch, you're going to have fans, especially Boston or New York, wherever <laughs> if you go to one of those hot markets, it's even the Dodgers, right? The yeah, Dodgers yeah. too. Like, like they're, they're a team, like these are big They'll money turn on you fast. They turn too. on you very fast. So no matter all, oh, well, why do we pay, you know, $600 million for a guy that's only, you know, batting every couple of days yeah. and it turns into, okay, well, you know, what is it? And now, how many one of the ways you can make some money back, how many Red Sox hats can you now sell in Tokyo? Sure. Right? Like, uh, sure. all of a sudden you have Japanese TV deals and, and things like that. People want to watch them. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I'm curious, uh, we're a few weeks now into the NFL season. I'm curious what's got your eye. Uh, I'm not going to let you say Tay-Tay and, and Travis Kelsey. Uh, <sighs> but uh, I'm curious, you know, uh, you keep a close eye on the NFL. Who's impressed? Who's disappointed? What do you What do you got eyes on here the last week or two? It's been an, a weird and fun year, though. Like, it, it has been. Yeah. Uh, I'm a huge Bucks fan. I love uh, I love football, though, in general. And, and just watching, just seeing teams right now, you look at the Eagles dropping a game the other day to the Jets. Mm-hmm. It's like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> 49ers. Well, they I think lost. our friend Vanessa was down at that game. Actually. She was. Yeah, she, yeah. she got a big win after her uh, Notre Dame destroyed USC <laughs> the, fr- the night before, which I'm pretty sure uh, she's brought, like we were supposed to, not supposed to, but that was an unplanned trip that we were going to go see the Notre Dame versus USC. Mm. She's a huge Trojans fan. I'm a huge Irish fan. Right. Well, she chose to go to the Jets game instead. And well, look what happens. <laughs> yeah. USC blew their chance at national championship because they got beat up by Notre Dame. But yeah, she was at the Jets game. But you see a lot of these teams, like even Kansas City hasn't looked great. A lot of like Jacksonville, like another team, uh, Cincinnati can't seem to get it to like they're all over the map like they're you know yeah. winning games now but just a slow start Joe Burrow's been injured so I think it's just been a very hard read on the NFL in general is what's caught my eye like there's San Francisco is a team I thought you know what this team is never gonna lose like they just destroyed the Cowboys well then somehow they come and they falter and they lose and I, I get it they had a chance to kick it to win and and, and tie the game or whatever but it's they didn't do it and they yep. it, you know rookie kicker missed it and it's tough you lose a game you lose a game but just seeing these teams uh, you know, these best teams like the Eagles, um, you know, you look at the Eagles, like I said, look at, look at the Niners, like uh, the Bengals, you know, they're, they've been all over the map. I think there's a lot of teams here that are just, you still want to get a good read on. There's, there's no one that I feel like is, I mean, the 49ers, I'm still going to go with them, but yeah. Brock Purdy finally had a game where he looked like a like, you know, a I was pedestrian. just going to ask you what you thought of how the start he's been off to. And it, it looks like, yeah, maybe, maybe human, he's a human after all. Or, yeah, yeah. It's funny. Cause uh, you know, I don't think he ever gets enough love and right. in that game they did lose Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and uh, not Brandon Ayuk, uh, Christian McCaffrey, right? Mm-hmm. That they were like to injuries, they missed like half that game. So you know you could say that the weapons weren't there, and so Brock Purdy couldn't do it on his own. I still think Brock Purdy is a really, really good quarterback that doesn't get enough love. Right. I think some of the plays he makes, like if you watch the game against Dallas, he had a couple. I think one of the touchdowns to George Kittle, where it was just he was moving out of the pocket, you running away from a defender, and hits Kettle at the end of the uh, back of the end zone for like just threads it between the defensive back, and it's like, man, that I don't care how good your weapons are. The make that throw was intense. Like yeah. that's a good throw to make. So 
So I think that he's really uh, coming into his own. And yes, it helps when you have some sick weapons around you, like sure. McCaffrey being the best running back in the league. To, like that's always going to help. George Kittle, you know, if it's not uh, Travis Kelsey and or not Tra- yeah, Travis Kelsey and uh, Taylor Swift kind of taking over your TV, <laughs> um, it, George Kittle is probably a you know a one B or two. Sure, like he's really good. He's one of the best tight ends in the league too. So I think that they have a lot of great weapons. Debo Samuel, their defense is nasty. I think that this is a team that's really good. Um, you know, you you keep you can go around a little bit more, but uh, you know, the I think we're starting to see two teams uh, start to get it together a little bit. Uh, the Bears, like it took them a little while, but they've started to kind of pick it up a little bit. The Bears. Yeah. Um, so it's been a very fun and interesting year. And it just, I, the way I look at it is I don't look at it as it's, I kind of look, it's a wide open field. There's your favorites, but sure. there is a lot of teams right now vying for like, you know, the best team in the NFL. I'll still give it to the 49ers. They're a team that just stacked and they look just awesome. Uh, the Chiefs. Kind of not looking as great, but that's the thing. They, when you pay a quarterback, you know, fifty million dollars in Patrick Mahomes, you kind of limit your ability to sign players around him, and sure. it just looks like he's struggling to find another receiver. They just went out and traded for Marcole Herdman, who was already very much he was with Kansas City a couple years ago, and he was upset, left, went to the Jets, the wall, and the Kansas City Chiefs just said we need someone We're bringing back. Bringing him back, yeah. So they bringing him back. So he was <laughs> upset with his role in Kansas City, and now he's coming back to Kansas City, even though <laughs> things weren't working out in the, with the Jets. And so I think you're there's going to be some, uh, you know, I love this part of the year because we're starting to learn who teams are, yes. but we're also starting to figure some things out. I never thought the 49ers were even going to lose this year. I thought this was a team <laughs> that literally could go perfect this year. They were just so well-rounded. So to see them lose, the Eagles are a different team as well right now. So there's a lot going on. And well, I'm I think curious. that was, the, sorry, go ahead. No, that was the first time the, um, the Jets have ever beaten the Eagles in uh, franchise history. So it was a big day for Vanessa. <laughs> Uh, we hope she enjoyed that. I'm not sure how many or more of those she's going to get this year. Uh, I'm curious, do you think there's a chance we might be coming to the end of the Bill Belichick era in New England? Mm-hmm. Is there any chance that frustration gets to a point there? You know, obviously the Brady era is long over. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, will they, do you think they have the guts to pull the trigger on him or, or in your mind, would that be a mistake that they just don't have a good enough team and it'd be stupid to fire your coach over it? Yeah. You know what? You bring up a great point. When you talk about uh, storylines, I was looking for more positives and who's, who's sure. caught my eye, yeah. but I think it is very obvious that the Patriots have caught my eye in general, which is how bad they've been. Yeah. And I think they're at a spot now where, yeah, I think you got to somehow have that conversation and shift Bill to a front office role because as a GM and head coach, his team isn't responding to the way he he's he's doing things. It just it's not the same anymore. Mm-hmm. We've seen that since Tom left. I think there was something there with Tom where you could be that hard ass old school style coach, and then you have an older quarterback that's won a bunch with him who can step up with the players in the locker room and have his back. Right. And ever since that's kind of left, Tom Brady, you know, winning the Super Bowl the first year with the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Well. That's the first year that Bill Belichick misses the playoffs. What does Bill do? He goes out to free agency, something he never does, and he spends a crap ton of money on free agents. <laughs> and what it, you know, it kind of got you into a playoff spot, but they ended up losing that that in the first round, anyways. They didn't win the like you made the playoffs to get out of the playoffs. Yeah. Basically, yeah. it's a, it's kind of a useless time. But uh, you now look at them, and they're just a team that just seems to be all over the map. Um, offensively, they just don't seem to be clicking. Mac Jones doesn't seem to get it. Apparently, he's on a short leash again this week. So if things don't get better for him. I don't know what's going to happen with Mac Jones. He could be shopped or something could happen here. But 
the Patriots are in a spot now where Bill hasn't drafted very well in a long time. Mm-hmm. Even drafting Mac Jones in the first round shows desperation from Bill Belichick. It's not really something he did. Right. He was always the kind of guy that would kind of dig deep for these hidden gems in the sure, draft yeah. and guys. And like I get it, you had Tom Brady for you know twenty years. It's it's a big different. It's a big adjustment sure. when you have a guy leave and you got to replace him. But then again, you know they went out and drafted Jimmy Garoppolo to be behind Tom Brady, and that set off like you know I made Tom upset. Then Robert Kraft had to get involved. Like I feel like if you're Bob Kraft, you have to you know. Get get away from the massage parlor and say, Hey dude, like, look, you're going to join me as a legacy role, or we're going to have to figure something else out because it's just not selling. It's not clicking. The pay, the players don't really love it. It's, you know, I, I don't want to say that he's tough to play for, but it just, they're not, you know, they're not performing like we're yeah. used to seeing him. Like they're a team where you're used, you're used to seeing just execution, uh, well coached and they're not offensively, defensively, special teams. They're just a shell of themselves. So, you know, I think Bill, like, you know, he's had a great career, obviously. Like, he's, you know, one of the best coaches of all time. I was always on the side, though, that, you know, you could be the greatest coach in the world, but it's how you get these players to play. And Tom Brady, I feel like when you're on the field, like when you make these decisions, I always give the benefit of the doubt to the players because in those moments, the players have to make those plays. They have to execute. It comes down to coaching, but you know what? It still takes that ability to stand in the pocket, make those plays. That's the thing I wonder about, right? Yeah. Does this right now tarnish... Belichick's reputation in the past are we learning that and look Tom Brady if not the greatest quarterback of all time right there in that conversation right he is so are we finding now that just because Brady left and this thing went off a cliff as fast as it did that maybe that that Belichick wasn't anywhere near as good as we thought he was and it was always just because the the, the quarterback he had could cover up a lot of those uh you know, maybe holes in the roster or, you know, Brady was maybe just that elite or is that unfair? And it was a pair, it was a tandem and the two of them guided them to this thing. It, it, it just, it's pretty glaring that when the quarterback leaves all of a sudden Belichick's that aura is off him a little bit, right? Yeah. And that's the thing. When you had Tom Brady, he basically had a second coach, right? Like yeah. that's the thing. Like he's a guy, even the Bucks brought that up. Like when he's been there, like he's basically like having a second coach. So he's yeah. someone that you can rely on. That's seen a lot. There's not a lot that he hasn't seen in the NFL sure, when you're yeah, out there. Yeah. When I look at and I watch some of the the Patriots game so far, they just look like they're lacking execution. They're lacking discipline. They're lacking everything. It just, they just don't have it. And Mac Jones, it doesn't look like he has it, but you know, I look at the sense of for, for Bill Belichick, I don't want to say it tarnishes his legacy at all, because at the end of the day, when you watch those Patriots teams, like special teams was always something he was very, very good at. And, yep. and he was always that kind of guy that you would notice Patriots special teams, super good. Well, now they're just like, okay, they're not good. The offense, it's never really been his bread and butter. Right. And it just, things didn't work out very well with you know offensive coordinator last year because he brought back Matt Patricia he put him in there now Bill O'Brien it's like okay what the hell is even going on here it's like <laughs> there's so much that's happened over the last few years with his offensive coordinators but I think just ultimately it takes that veteran kind of guy that helps with the players and I just I don't know I think he's in a spot where I don't think he's going to get fired at all this year okay but it's an offseason thing where they have to address that for sure I don't I'd uh you didn't have to be, you know, Brian Burke, tractor trailer off a cliff <laughs> kind of season for the Patriots where they're getting like killed, you know, 35, 7, 42 to, you know, three for the next, you know, the rest of the season for them to even consider firing Bill. Unless he wants to, you know, get sour because he wants to still coach. He wants to still be the GM. I think you look at it and he's never been the greatest GM. He's never been good at drafting. They just lack talent. Like yeah. they really do. Like It's just not a good team right now. I saw, uh, yeah. And, you know, I saw AJ Brown, you know, he was drafted by the Titans a couple of years ago and then traded to the Eagles but you know he's a guy too where he was talking when uh, the Patriots drafted and Keel Harry over him he was just like are you kidding me like and he was just surprised and it's like okay and and Keel Harry you know Canadian but 
you've never heard of him in the NFL. Yeah. Like he's barely played, and it's he was a first round draft pick wide receiver. Like you're used to not used to seeing you know this kind of stuff from Tom, uh, from uh, Bill Belichick. So I, I think the Patriots being as bad as they are, it's kind of a shocker that it's been this long because it has been a couple of years since Tom's gone, and he just no matter what Bill has done, he hasn't really wrote the ship right. Oh. It's just interesting, and I'm not sure if Mac Jones is good. I'm not sure if Mac Jones isn't good. If he can be in an offense like you see in Miami where you kind of just – like Miami's an offense too right now where they're first and rushing, first and passing, like very much a surprise, but they're just yeah. – they, they have so much talent. Like They really do. Like, you know, adding uh, Chase Claypool, but they already have Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell. Uh, their offensive line is getting better. Raheem Mostert's been amazing for them. Uh, Jalen Ramsey hasn't even played yet, and he's the defensive back they just brought in. Like, they're, they have a good defense. Like, that's a team that's nasty right now, but it just – it's just, and that's a team too. Where you look at the Patriots division, the Bills. Well, you know they're probably the class of the division with the with the Dolphins right now. Yeah. And then you know you even look at the Jets. If Aaron Rodgers was ever able to be healthy, <laughs> like the Patriots would be last place in that division this year. Yeah. Like hundred percent. So you know, and if it wasn't for the Jets, I do believe that they are the worst. Like I, I don't know. I think that it's a you flip the coin. You want to dissect each team. I think that uh, you know the Jets and the Patriots are equally as bad this year. Uh, before we get into some uh, some fight talk, oh, we have man. we, we got to do a little hockey here. We Let's are we are uh, just over a week into the NHL season. Um, just uh, this is going to drop on Friday morning, so for the sake of the good listener, we'll tell you that uh, it's Thursday afternoon as we talk right now. So we haven't seen those Thursday night results yet, but uh, sends off to a pretty good start. I, there was some there's some worry on night one, right? You yeah. lose to Carolina, and all of a sudden, holy shit, here we go! Uh, but they come back. They have a great weekend. And then they beat um, uh, Washington, uh, and you have the return of Josh Norris, who scores two goals right away. Mm-hmm. So they appear to be off to uh, a pretty nice start, which they needed to be. They've had so many bad starts over the last couple of years. Um, the Leafs, the Leafs haven't been bad, well, yeah. but they haven't been good. Uh, they haven't really been particularly impressive. I don't know who else. Maybe out there, maybe has your attention or what you've followed sort of through the first week of the NHL. I don't know if anything's on your mind there as it comes to uh, the NHL. Yeah, it's been a lot of the Leafs sends and even the Habs, but uh, a lot of Leafs uh, and Habs especially going to be tragic this year. I yeah, Kirby this. Doc was actually looking yep. pretty good, right? He had that hype he and goes uh, down. It's going to be a long time now. It sounds like yeah, several months. It sounds like well, he's yeah. missing the year, which is uh, well, it looks like he's going to miss the year. Yeah. It's one of those situations where. It's very tough because Montreal didn't have a lot of expectations to make the playoffs, oh, that's but right. but seeing him get injured and and you know he was looking good and you know finally well, got crushed by injuries last year too, exactly. right? So to get off to this start already and just be like, here we go again, it's got to be disheartening. And then some goaltender Mo Tambo, yeah, ended up like ruining their chance with Connor Bedard <laughs> somehow. But uh, you know uh, the Sens have been one of my main focuses just in general because it's just. Uh, what an off season and what a season kind of start they've had. Uh, you look at, you know, the new ownership kind of being finalized yep. Then game one at home while they bring back Lyndon Slewage, right? They, <laughs> yeah. they have a, you know, Alfie's back as a player development role. Like you have all these guys, Chris Neal, uh, Finnegan's, uh, one of his, I think his granddaughters was there. Like it just, it was really cool to see them do stuff like that. The big thing was Josh Norris, right? The, the shoulder injury, like yeah. you said though, two goals last night looking sick. Like it's, yep. it's nice to see they need a goal scorer and it's, they've been really good at home which I think is the biggest thing so far. They're off to the good start. But just to have these wins at home, like to kind of, 
give the fans the hype, right? Yeah, the last set thing the you, tone. Yeah, setting the tone. Like I put out a tweet, just it's protecting the house, right? You have all these new, like all the fans, like it's sellouts. You have the fans coming back. They're excited to be around the rink. They're excited for the new team. There's a lot of expectations because, you know, last year it was like playoffs are bust and then it was bust. And, you know, uh, you know they brought back Pierre Dorian. They brought back DJ Smith and they showed faith and, and they brought back, they signed, uh, you know, some guys to some long-term contracts. Things look good. Jake Sanderson's deal is going to be a steal because this guy already looks like one of the best defensemen in the league. He's so good. Um, <laughs> And you just look at things and uh, whenever they sh- assign Shane Pinto, I, I think that it'll be good because that's the problem right now is the Shane Pinto not being in the lineup, but this team still looks that good. That is the one cloud hanging over. You've seen the chance in the building, right? We want yeah. Pinto. We want Pinto, which is totally fine for the fans. But like bringing a guy like Josh Norris back into the mix the way they have, mm-hmm. it, it's... It changes everything. Like you can't be rolling into Carolina with Ridley Gregg and Rourke Chartier as your two and three centers. You're just not going to beat those guys that way. You bring in yeah. Josh Norris. That's a guy who's shown he can score goals. And not only does it kind of create that depth for you up the middle, it also turns your power play into something totally different, right? And it gives mm-hmm. you extra pieces. It makes that second unit a little better as well because guys get pushed down. It just helps push everything back into the place where you envision it, right? The, this is our optimal lineup, and Shane Pinto will be part of that when they finally get this done. Uh, I'm surprised it has taken this long. But you're so right about the idea of getting off, not just to a good start, but getting off to a good start at home. Mm-hmm. And the schedule is set up. They're playing a lot of home games here before they end up going to to Sweden in November. But if you have this thing, and the, the, the Andlauer thing is a huge success, and that goes really yeah. good, and you bring in Steos, and that's great, and you get Josh Norris back in, and we do the home opener, and Lyndon Sluage is there singing the anthem, and Alfie's back, and everybody is just ready to go the hell off, and then you lose three or four at home, and it's just that sound of the balloon deflating, yeah, right? The, exactly. Just, even if you were kind of still winning on the road, if the home games are a drag then it doesn't feel different for the people that are paying your bills, right? Those season ticket holders and stuff. Yeah. So it's big, man. And I'm not happy to see it by any means, <laughs> but it's, it, it's clear right now. They are, they're riding the vibes, right? They're feeling pretty good. They're playing well. Every team at some point runs into adversity. This team has had its own fair share of it over the last several years, yeah. but they're off to a nice start. Yeah. And, and like I said, you could even say that, you know, some adversity was already faced when, you know what, they started the season without Josh Norris and yep. they had, uh, you know, a man short because of the salary cap yep. situation that they were in and Shane Pinto being unsigned who, you know, we've seen reports that they've been trying to trade for a while. They had, it's not a contract thing. It's just a salary cap issue. And then, you know, even Michael Andlauer, when he was speaking a couple of weeks ago, he said, you know what, this team is just in a spot right now. Like he's very much involved with the. Shane Pinto negotiations and what things are going on, but you know it's how long has it been since the Sens team has been a team where well they can't do anything because know, they're up, so they're, they're up at the, the cap, cap. they're yeah. up like it's it's unheard of. It's but weird. <laughs> they've done a great job. Pierre Dorian has of signing a lot of these guys to long term contracts, whether it be Josh Norris, Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzla, uh, Jake Sanderson. Like these guys are mm-hmm. all signed here to eight years, seven like Shabbat. Like these guys are all signed for you know your core is signed now, and you know you could even say goaltending wise, right? Like it's been it's been pretty good so far mm-hmm. for the Ottawa Senators and things just it, there's not a lot of negatives and like I said backing it up on home ice is huge and you know you could bring up Josh Norris being in the lineup and how like whatever but they won those two games on the weekend without him yep. so you know this is a guy that you know he's a natural goal scorer and a centerman right it's something where if you could have a, a centerman that scores you 30 plus goals that's pretty good you're going to win most nights like that's very hard to beat he's, yeah, he's especially got the, as your number two center yeah right like Stutzler is going to do his thing and now you got a 30 goal guy in the two hole 
It's yeah. not bad. They have a, a tough schedule when they got to travel to Sweden and, and handle that kind of situation. And then it'll get road heavy after that. But as long as you've banked these points early, you, yeah. should, you should be all right. And it's something that Sens fans haven't seen, right? The last couple of years, you know, it's, you know, two, 10 and, you know, two and 10 starts and, you know, it just, you can't have that. So, right. and you know, you can go back to 17 when they went out to Sweden and that's when kind of their season derailed and then yep. everything went sour and it wasn't good. Let's hope that doesn't happen again this year. Knock on wood, Sens fans, but <laughs> it's been a great start. Um, watching the Leafs, man, I don't know what that team is anymore, man. They're so, it feels like they're out there just playing hockey and when they want to try, like opening night against the Habs was so sloppy and so bad. It was but gross. Yeah, it just looked like they didn't want to try until the end and now Austin Matthews having a hat trick in back-to-back games and it's huge <laughs> and it is what it is. But the signing of Tyler Bertuzzi, man, I don't know. What's this guy good for? Penalties? Like he's not really good at doing much out there and See, I don't I, know, his I'm, mop is very much, what are you doing? <laughs> like I, I appreciate his style of play, but this guy is in the penalty box every couple minutes and you know, I'll watch the game. He has had a couple of pretty sloppy stick fouls and the game and, against Chicago, it was pretty bad. And I think, I think where he had two penalties like back to back basically. And, and well. they scored, I think on both of them yeah. and, uh, wasn't good. I'm not worried about Bertuzzi. I think over the long term he's going to be fine. I am slightly concerned about Max Domi. I didn't love that signing to begin with. Yeah. He's already been dropped from line two to line three. He doesn't look particularly dangerous. Um, now it's a $3 million one year contract. It's, not going to hurt you long term, yeah. but you signed that guy hoping he'd contribute. And so far, it doesn't look promising in that regard. And just in general, man, they just they look sloppy. And I don't want to keep repeating myself, but I've said on the show a couple times, it looks like the Leafs have bought, like, have got some really nice pieces, but they're not from the same puzzle. Yeah. They don't fit together particularly yeah. well. And maybe it just takes some time and they will get it. But I, I do wonder with the makeup of this group if it's just not quite going to fit the way that they they hope it would. Now, for all we know, as we sit here Thursday afternoon, the good listeners listening to this Friday after or Friday morning and the Leafs <laughs> pounded it like 1-6 to 1 on Thursday night or whatever. So, we Stupid don't know, Panthers. right? Yeah. <laughs> so, we don't know what that maybe the Leafs got pounded themselves 6 to 1. We have no idea. So, mm-hmm. it, this could be outdated a little bit. But yeah, I, I think you've seen Nylander and Tavares and Matthews all get off to really nice starts. And then you've seen, actually, and Morgan Riley's been pretty good. And then everything else has been kind of, like, even the goaltending is, yeah, might be fine, but it's not filling me with confidence right now. Um, The Riley Brody, aside from Brody having a a tough night, there was more luck than anything else against Montreal. He's been pretty good with Riley again. The rest of the defense looks scary a bit. So I don't know, man. We'll we'll see. It's still early. I don't want to overreact, but I don't either. You look at a spot. I, I look at Klingberg, another free agent signing. Yeah. Yeah, not good. No. I look at, uh, you know, I want... Well, he's been fine offensively, but he's just such a mess in well, his own end. And that's the thing. He's always been an offensive guy, yeah. and you're kind of, you're putting, when you're signing him, you know exactly what you're doing, and he took power play time away from, you know, Morgan Riley when he, they did that. They put him on the first power play unit, basically. Yep. Um, and I look at Giordano, and he was a guy that, when I saw him playing last year, he's basically going through the motions, but he's a step behind. Same thing He this looks year. a little rickety. Eh? He, he does. He's and I 40 years old, oldest skater in the league. Respect him at all. Creaky. I, I, I do respect him so much, but I don't uh, I don't know. I just, I think that, uh, you know, he, he's in a spot where he, you're just a step behind. I, I don't know. that. I look at this team, and like you said, you put it pretty well, actually. just It looked just like a team of guys there, and like it's a puzzle with different pieces, and you're trying to fit them all together, and it's just not clicking. No. Whereas, like I said, you and I mean, this is completely different. I mean, comparing, but you look at the way the Sens are playing with the like they're, the pieces they have. Even, you know, Tarasenko adding them to the mix. He had a bad opening night, yep. but since then, yep. he just shows that he fits with that group. You know, this group looks like such a good group of players that like to play for each other, like to play for DJ Smith. You know, we've heard 
heard it so many times. You know, they've always had his back. The players have always done it. Brady Kachuk, all these guys, they love DJ Smith. They've always had his back. Yep. And I'm not saying these guys don't in Toronto, but just when you watch that Sens team play and, you know, a guy gets hit, the whole line on the on the ice is in there getting involved. Yep. If, you know, Austin Matthews gets hit, you know what? No one's getting involved. In oh, we saw Mark Giordano deliver the frog splash there the other night. That was kind of fun. <laughs> well, I mean, that's always been really good for us. It's been his highlight of the year so far. But I look at this Lee team, it just it feels like not a lot of these guys are even playing for each other. Yeah. They're just out there, kind of just chilling, playing hockey, and it's like kind of pond hockey. Like I said, against the Habs, it was just you know when they want to try, they can be really good. But then a lot of it, it's just like they're just going out to play hockey and you know watching. Um, the Chicago game the other night, man, Connor Bedard is sick. Yeah, like, oh yeah, oh, like yeah. this guy. I mean, I'm not. I'm here. Newsflash, like this guy is nasty good. I mean, other than I guess they kept bringing up his faceoff numbers, right? It's it, that's face- always though for the young centers who come in at, as rookies. Like they get cleaned out every yeah. single Crosby was getting dominated in year one in the face-off circles, right? Like it happens. That was when he was in his crybaby phase too, right? When everybody (laughs) everybody kind of chirped him and he was always yelling at the refs every, whatever. But I look at Connor Bedard and he is just such a special kid. Like he was, he didn't have much, but I think he had five shots on net, but he was just buzzing every time he was on the ice and creating chances. And he just, he just, he sees the ice so well. And Same with against Montreal. He had a bunch of really good attempts, right? The shots and getting like, He's just not going to get much help. Is the problem with that team? It's exactly it, and you know what? He's already put it in a goal. Yeah, he has a couple points. Yeah. I, I don't know if he's going to be this guy that has you know 100 and something points in his, his rookie year. But I would not be surprised to see this guy be a point a game with whatever he has around him. He just seems special, and yeah. you know, like against the Leafs the other night, like he just he doesn't look like he gets intimidated by much, and nope. it's really cool to see. You saw his game against Boston where him and Marchand are getting into it, and he's not backing down at all. He's trying no, to line sure. up. He he nails Marchand and gets the boards pretty hard at one point. Like he was uh, like he just doesn't seem to be afraid he has that confidence and swagger I like when he uh you know scored the first goal you got Taylor Hall like all jacked up for him the guys for love sure, him yeah like they all know they're playing with a special kid and it's going to mean a lot to them so I, I just I loved seeing that and against the Leafs you know I wish that uh, you know the Leafs had a better effort because they looked like they didn't they pretty much yeah, no the Leafs showed. should not be losing to that team no they shouldn't be and like I said a lot of that I don't want to put it all on Tyler Bertuzzi but when I'm watching Tyler Bertuzzi he just he to me I'm just like what is this guy really doing out there I'll give Reeves you know what Reeves looks like one of their better free agent signings right now and Fraser Mitten I don't know how much longer he's going to be around or if they're going to send him back to junior or whatever's going to happen with him. Uh, no, nothing wrong with him. He doesn't. Yeah. See, it's an interesting debate with him because yeah. he doesn't look out of place, right? Like he's not getting dominated. He's not getting, he's just kind of there, right? Right. But he's not excelling either, right? Exactly. It doesn't look like this is a guy who's getting ready to help you, you know, really content. And so he yeah, gets at, worked at 19, pretty well in his own zone is what I've noticed too yeah, so far. Just, it's hard. Just let him go back. Maybe have another big year in junior, hopefully be on the world junior team, maybe mm-hmm. do those sorts of things to really get his confidence up. The problem for the Leafs is that puts David Camp up at three center and now you're calling up Pontus Holberg and whatever. But which I wouldn't have anything against either. I just I think you're in a spot where I look at this roster and this team right now and you know, I, Fraser I just, Man's I think a good you only story. keep a rookie like this if he's if he's helping you. And right now he's I don't think he's hurting you, but I don't think he's helping you either. So you yeah. probably send him back, right? That's where I'm looking at yeah. it. And you know, when I look at the team too right now, and even Matt Nye's like he, you know, he's been okay. Like he, but again, not that line which was so good in in the preseason, yep. kind of just looks like a line now. Yeah, in, and in it looks right. like on Thursday night he's going to play with Tavares. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll split that out, and then maybe uh, Domi, Minton, and Yarn Croak on the third line. Yeah. So they'll see if that looks for- any different. Uh, that'll give uh, Minton 
with Domi, in theory, would give him a little extra offensive pop, and then you have Yarn Crook there to be the conscience, right? The, yeah. the defensive presence. So we'll see what it all looks for, like. For man. Domi too, I think he's in a spot where the reason why he's excelled the last couple of years is he's been in that three-four role and like a third, third to fourth line role. I think that the Leafs put him in a spot where you're you're putting way too much expectations on a guy to be on your second, third line role. I think he needs to be that bottom six a lot more than a top, like a middle six. Hmm. I just think that he he would probably be much more suited in that spot. And I saw too over the weekend. Like Nick Robertson had a nasty goal. Like this guy, he's has been to talk- light up the A, which is exactly what he needs to do. He Get does. your confidence, show down there that you're too good to be there, and force them to call you. Yeah, up. and that's the thing. I think that the team needs kind of something like that right now too. Just someone that can go up and be a difference maker. I think that you know we see enough from uh, Matthews, uh, Nylander yep. at times flashes. Marner has been very yeah. Like slow he, start. Yeah. Slow start. Um, Tavares got six points already. He's off to a pretty nice start for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no issues with his game. I just, I, a lot of, uh, even for the Leafs though, like much like last year and years prior, I just want to see that team get to the playoffs and win. Uh, last year, you know what? They got to the second round and the first time in so damn long, <laughs> but it's, they basically no-showed and yep. it was annoying. So I look at that team as they need to get there and I just look at them right now and it's just like, I don't, I, when I watched them last year compared to this time and this, like this time, they're just like a team. Like they're just like yeah, they're just out there. It's like okay, like they have the tail and the, uh, they have the skill and the talent to win games yep. when they want to, but they just look like a team that's I don't know, just not really getting Fairly it together. Yeah. Very indifferent and just you know lazy at times. Hmm. Uh, we need to talk fights first. Let's take a break. We'll grab another beer and then we'll talk fights. Let's, let's do, do that. All right, so we're back in. UFC 294 goes this weekend. And actually, while you're here, we'll probably touch on UFC 295 because it's only a couple weeks away. I'm not sure we'll be able to get you back in or not. If uh, We'll see what your schedule is like. But we'll touch on both. First, uh, got a beer. I, when Lee was in here on uh, the Thursday morning show, he uh, both times didn't give me a chance to talk about the beer I was drinking. He, he talked about his and then went off on some tirade. Hmm. And we went to the second beer. I asked him what he had this time and he went off on some tirade. So I'm going to have to get the elbows up when Lee's in here and, and make sure I get some space. Uh, but this is one of the ones that I had yesterday. I'm going to have it again today so I can at least shout out the brewer and, and mention what I was having. This is called the Dreamwalkers American Lager from the Nita Beer Company. You know, I talk about Nita all the time. Oh yeah. They're, uh, they're, uh, Andy and, and Bridget over there are awesome people. And, and so I love their stuff. This one has actually been one, another one of those ones that had sort of been somehow tucked into the back of the fridge and underneath a couple of other Nita offerings and other different stuff I had in there. Um, and I believe, and someone out there will probably correct me or, uh, inform me. I believe this was part of like a, a fundraiser, um, that they were doing for a charity. I can't shout out the charity because I don't remember <laughs> what they were doing and what this was for. And, uh, I think it's from a few months ago as well. Um, the fundraiser they were doing. So, uh, I'm not much help on that, but I am going to talk about the beer cause it's, it's very nice. Like I said, it's called the Dreamwalkers American Lager from the Nita Beer Company. That's what I'm rolling with here. Second man. I got, oh. got it out there this time. Oh, there you go. And you know what? That doesn't surprise me that Lee wouldn't, uh, wouldn't Give shut me some up. space, man. Let you me know, talk. Yeah. No love for the pints. That's, right. that's this podcast. He's going to learn, uh, very quickly that it's pints then sports. That's right. It's built on the back of the pints up front. It's tall can audio. Right. That's not it, three Versage audio. Right. Three Versage Thursdays. I like that though. <laughs> That'll be good. And how does that one taste for a swig? Yeah, pretty nice, man. Comes in at 4.8%, just like a straight up nice lager for a day like this, like 16, 17 degrees out. Not too bad for mid-October, right? Uh, 
it's going down pretty nice. So thank you as always to the, uh, the need a beer company. Uh, you're, uh, I know you're still working through your, uh, your Lake of Bays over there. My pumpkin ale. Yeah. And uh, I'm eyeing up this Juicy Light IPA. Uh, one, because the can looks cool, but also just, I like a nice IPA, but yeah. it's also light, so I'm curious of how well it tastes. Yeah, it's early in the day, right? We got things to do after this, so we got to be a little bit careful exactly. as we record this. Exactly. So. Plus, this pumpkin ale is really tasty <laughs> and uh, 6%, so I'm feeling it good. Plus, I like the uh, I like the idea of just, like I said, the pumpkin for this nice horror movie podcast that we're yeah. about to do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We've already talked about horror stuff anyways, yeah. uh, with uh, the way that we, I guess the That's H-O-R-R-O-R, not W-H-O-R-E podcast. We'll, uh, exactly. we'll get to that a different day. That's <laughs> another day, right? When you can get uh, one of your stars in here to talk about something and drink beers. That'd be quite the pod there for you. The whore pod. Yeah. yeah. All right. I had a, I knew a guy through a friend, like a friend of a friend whose last name was whore. And uh, oh, yeah. he was... <laughs> He was engaged and his poor fiance was having a hell of a time deciding whether or not she was going to be willing to, yeah. to take that last name. It was going to be rough, right? So, yeah, it's never good. It's not, it's a, it was a little easier as a guy to just move through high school with it, all that stuff. But as a grown woman, do you really want that to be your last name? Anyway, I, uh, I digress. So look, man, this is a huge card on Saturday in Abu Dhabi, UFC 294. And it was already looking pretty good. Pretty stacked. They always load up the card when they go to Abu Dhabi, right? And they had one guy in each of their main events. One guy in the main event, one guy in the co-main event. Both get injured, both back out. And I would argue, and I know I'm not the only one. This isn't something that I think I have the best take on. It's just, you could argue now that both of these fights are better than the original fight. And so we were going to see Islam Makachev take on Charles Oliveira in a rematch for the lightweight title. And Oliveira went out. There was actually, you'd remember this as well as I do, like going into this, there was already some doubt that Oliveira wouldn't be ready. Mm -hmm. And then he said he was, and then he got hurt unrelatedly. So he gets subbed out and now we're getting a rematch. This is actually now going to be Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky for the second time. And we saw this, it was just earlier this year, wasn't it? The original one down in Perth. Oh, uh, yeah. I feel January, like January, February, something yeah. like that. Yeah. It's the year, it's been such a long year. <laughs> right. And so this was Volkanovsky moving up a weight class as he had sort of cleaned out his own and had defended his title a bunch of times. And he's going to move up and take on Makachev for the lightweight title uh, in Makachev's first defense. Mm-hmm. And we debated that at the time, whether he should, you know, be fighting people in his division first instead of a you know, a super fight like this or whatever, but Makachev ends up winning it and, and we can get into what that, whether that should or shouldn't have happened and what that rematch is going to look like this Saturday. But we were also going to see Hamzat Chimeyev and he was going to take on Paulo Costa and Paulo Costa ends up getting hurt and he has to pull out and out of nowhere, we end up seeing Kumaro Usman be dropped in here. And that's a welterweight who's now moving up to uh, middleweight. He's coming off back-to-back losses to Leon Edwards after dominating the welterweight division himself for a long time. He loses the title to Edwards, then loses to him again in the rematch, and he's going to move up and fight Chimeyev. The rest of the card we can touch on later on, which fights might have your attention, as we always do. But I'm curious, are you higher on the card now than you were with the original fights? Yeah, 100%. Um, Nothing against Oliveira, but... Like, that's a mismatch I always looked at. And for Oliveira, like, it's funny because, like you said, it was brought up where this was almost a card 
that was brought up months ago that we were told is not going to happen because of one defending his title against Oliveira after his, I guess, first title offense being, uh, a super fight against Volkanovski, and that was back in February. Yeah, uh, you look at the since like this was a almost a forced fight. It's in Abu Dhabi. It's in the afternoon, which is another thing. The main card sets at two o'clock in yeah. the afternoon. So I love that. Yeah, I like it a bit. <laughs> I don't love it, but I like it. Okay. Um, I don't want it to be like every time, but the occasional two o'clock fight card, I'm d- I'm down. Man. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Like it's just yeah, it's just tough because uh, sometimes I like those late nights when you have your days over and you can get home at ten o'clock and you're like, hey, I can still True watch enough. the fights now. Whereas if you have things to do and you're running around, it's harder to kind of catch the fights at two o'clock in the afternoon. But Fair enough, when you go back a couple months ago, like I said, and, and Hamza Chamayo has been looking for a fight partner forever and he's been chirping with Usman that he wants the title shot. He wants whatever it is. And so when I look at it, Volkanovsky was the one that got surgery a couple months ago and they weren't sure if he'd be ready in time as well. Right. So that was another, or it was, a, it was a hand or shoulder. I can't remember. I think it was his hand. His hand. I believe. Yeah, it was his hand. And, uh, so when we saw this kind of come around and it was like, okay, Oliveira has a gash in his eye. He's not I'm like, oh, so we're finally getting the fight that the fans kind of really wanted to see because Volk versus Makachev was a really good fight. Like, you know, Volkanovsky didn't really lose that fight. It was a tight one and he beat him up a good bit. Like Makachev finally looked like a human. Yeah. And it was one where Volk just has that crazy ability to just turn it on and he's just such a warrior in the octagon. Now Makachev won the fight and yep. I think that was the right call. Like he did. Some people would tell you as much as four to one, right? And, and yeah, I, I don't think it was that. I think it was three to two. Like, okay. and it was very tight though. I do think if someone said that, uh, Volkanovski won. They raised his hand. I wouldn't be against it. It'd be more on the side of okay. It's it's. I don't want to say it's iffy, but it's like all right. Like I can hear it, but I don't. Love I'm with it. you. I I'm, I agree. Makachev won probably three to two, but there was a why he didn't blow him away in almost any of these rounds, right? Makachev's and so that's a big dude. Like, he really is. Yeah. And, but so's Volkanovski, right? And that'll be interesting this time. Volkanovski is a big guy who walks around like. He built like a rugby player because he was one. Yeah, and so a 225 pound rugby player before he was a UFC yeah. fighter. And so instead of having to drop all the way to 145 where he normally fights, he's only going to go to 155 this time. So yeah. that's something as well. And we'll see if that, you know, if that does anything for him in terms of his energy because he won't have had to go through quite as as tough a weight cut. And like he's taking this fight on 10 days notice. Mm-hmm. And so t- there's a certain amount of I have nothing to lose here, right? Like Makachev's been in training camp. He's been preparing for this big fight, and and Volkanovski's trying to lean into these. He's like, I'm just coming off the couch, right? Like, I, now he has also said, I'm not one of these guys who goes home and gets fat, right, or, or yeah. does nothing for a couple months after. I stay in shape. I stay close to yeah. where I need to be, so that if they call me at the last minute, and maybe if they had said we need to get to 145, he would have had to say, I can't do that on 10 days' notice, right? It's a little much. 155, yeah, I could probably get there. I can probably get there for a rematch against Makachev. And, you know, to go back to that first fight that they had in Perth uh, back in February, you have some people saying Makachev won at 4-1, some people saying Makachev won at 3-2, and some people saying that Volkanovski won at 3-2. And that's because most of the rounds were close themselves. They were all very much up to interpret. So nobody got blown away, right? Like nobody got dominated. It was a good close fight. I think towards the end, Volkanovski turned the heat on and he He knew he was losing it maybe a bit and he kind of tried to catch up in that spot. And I think like that's where he would have won the fight was the fifth round when he was kind of, he had Makachev in some unfortunate, like in yep. some very tough positions. And he was, you know, had but him he again. also knows ex- exactly where he made his mistake. I can't remember, was it the fourth round where he was bipping at the, at Makachev's corner? Yeah. And Makachev came and, and, you know, put the hurt on him coming out yeah. of that. And, and that was sort of the fight, right? It had been close mm-hmm. most of the way through. 
And that's a mistake. And you can bet he won't make that mistake again. Right? Yeah. And Makachev, though, like he comes in at 155, but I saw him in a picture with uh, Kamaru Usman. And he looks bigger than Usman. He's a big guy. He is a big dude. Like, so when he gets down to 155, like, he's not fighting at 155. He's probably fighting at 175. Yeah, he weighs in. He gets dropped. He puts those 20 pounds back he's on overnight. A mo- and, like, he yeah. is a monster. Yeah. So when I see Volkanovsky, he's probably walking around 160, whatever it is, in that area. He drops to 145 when it's fight week. He's getting down to the 155 here. Uh, 10 days notice doesn't surprise me for this guy. He's just an ultimate champion and an ultimate fighter. Like, he really is one of the best fighters of all time, Volkanovsky. I don't think he ever gets enough credit because he's never ever been the flashy fighter he's just been a true champion on the mic kind of like very much reminds me of a gsp kind of guy quieter yeah uh, handles himself extremely well uh ultimate competitor ultimate athlete like i said when you go in against a guy much bigger than you against makachev and you have the uh, like performance he had man like makachev has made everybody look silly even Oliveira. that's yep. why it's like i wasn't really thrilled about having a rematch between the two of them because i wasn't excited about that either but no. the Oliveira, like i would have watched it because it'd be a good fight but yeah. I, I wasn't that excited about no, it oh exactly so i looked i look at this and volkanovsky he doesn't have to cut much he's already fought him once so he has a kind of a an idea of how this guy wants to fight like it is more of a scramble to get ready in 10 days but at the same time this is a guy that i believe if you're ever going to do it it's going to be him i don't think there's any pressure on either of these two i mean there's pressure in general because you have to defend your titles sure. and you you have to, you know, show up as a champion and, and perform in the octagon. Uh, but I look at it as like, you know what? Even for Makachev, well, it's like, yeah, you know, you're fighting Volkanovski. If you lose, it makes you look bad. But you know what? This guy already like made you look like you weren't that special. Like you, you were, you have all your career so far when you've, you know, dummied kind of guys throughout the last few right. fights he's had, right? Like this guy's kind of cleaned up the lightweight division to get to, a, you know, a title. And ever since uh, Nurmagomedov left, Habib uh, is in his quarter with Hasbula and they were at the weigh-ins on the stage. And, you know, he's kind of in his corner and I saw him watching video together and he's yep. like, he, you know, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov might be the one guy that thinks he won the fight 5-0. And like, <laughs> he's very much hyping him up. But I looked at it and, you know, for Makachev, it's like, if this guy beats you, it's like, well, you know what? Last time he stunned you pretty good and he, he showed that he belongs in the same octagon as you and you know technically could have if you said so he beat him I wouldn't argue it completely. I wouldn't have loved it, but I think it, yeah. there's just there it was, was close enough that it, you could go. Ah, yes. So right, for Makachev, it's like you, if you're expecting to go in there and clean his clock, I like you're just you know whatever you, that's just arrogance, and you know what you probably lost the fight already. So when I look at it, both fighters in for Volkanovski, he's the kind of guy that he doesn't care if he just picked it up off ten days' notice. He's going through the next ten days, and he's training his ass off to get in there and make sure he's ready to fight against Makachev. This is a guy that knows he was right there and how close it was that he became a two time champion. He became a two division champion like this means a lot to this guy and I'm not saying it doesn't mean anything to Makachev but I just you could see this way this guy prepares fighting uh watching the ultimate fighter seeing how he trains this guy like this guy fighting is his world it means so much to him I love uh Alexander Volkanovsky he is a true true champion and he's a he's a great face of the UFC so this is gonna be a great fight and I'm excited for it I really uh, I'm really really uh, looking forward to it and, and to see how this one turns out yeah before we move off this fight and, and start to move down the card a little bit the last thing I, I wonder about is is the five round nature of this the last time um you know we saw this fight back in February Volkanovsky had way more experience yeah. at five rounds than Makachev did. And we have talked at length on the show before about Volkanovsky being, you mentioned GSP a little while ago in terms of the way they carry themselves, but also in terms of don't always finish guys. It's not always that exciting, right? He, he, he just dominates you for five rounds, stands up, takes it from the judges and walks home. I wonder if the fact that he's doing this on 10 days notice, maybe his cardio, while still fine, he's still training, he's still an elite athlete, 
but he hasn't been in camp. He wasn't preparing for a fight. I wonder if there's somewhere in the back of his mind where he goes, okay, my cardio might not be quite where I want it to. It might not be quite on Mahachev's level because that guy's been in camp and I haven't. And I wonder if we see a more aggressive Volkanovsky in rounds one, two, three, trying to get a finish, trying to get a knockout, trying to get something done before we go to those deep rounds. I think in the previous encounter, the five rounds was an advantage for Volkanovsky. I think with 10 days notice this time, it might be an advantage for Makachev that forces Volkanovsky to try and find a finish sooner than that. Yeah, the only problem with Volkanovski is he's never been a finished fighter, right? It's not it's, it's, he struggles to finish fighters. It would fighters. certainly take him out of his element, and, but uh, yeah, sometimes and you have no choice, right? You have no choice for sure, and if you can, I'm sure he would love to. Every fighter would, right? Sure, to not have to wor- use that wear and tear on their body. I, I'm for me, it just there's something about Vol- Volkanovski where it's like it doesn't like I don't really. I, I don't look at excuses for this guy. They're not, not, not where you're making up yeah. one for him either, but just this is the kind of guy that I'm like, I can guarantee you he's still going to be fresh and ready to go in the fifth round. Like he's just that kind of guy. Like he's a natural <laughs> athlete where I just, I'm, I'm confident that this guy is going to, I am more curious to see his game plan and how he approaches the fight because yeah. he did lose last time, right? Yep. And that's something where you saw how much it affected him, right? When they raised Mokhachev's hand, how like, he put his hands in his his head and his yep. hands, and yeah. he's you could see he's like ah oh, like it's it, like it, but he wants to get back in there. He wants to fight. He's not backing down. He wants that rematch. Sure, he I'm wants coming to get, again. I'm yeah, doing this. Yeah. He's coming again. So what's his game plan this time? Is it you know what? Let's try and box this guy. Let's try and keep him up. Maybe it's let's get him to the ground and try and wear him down. Right. Yeah. And there's a lot that I'm curious to see how he approaches this game plan. Uh, sorry, this fight with his game plan. Is it new? Is it the same? You know, when I look at Makachev, Makachev's probably like, well, like I need to get this guy to the ground more. I need to limit this guy. I need yeah. to put my body weight on this guy. I need to make sure I let him know that there is a size difference here. And that's the thing, you know, for, for Volkanovsky, you've seen it before. He's got a big, big thick neck. So he's almost impossible to choke out. And then he's also very I saw Michael Bisping described. I was trying to soak it a bowling ball. Yeah. Like, there's no neck there. It's just a big round head on top of his shoulder. <laughs> it's true. And it's so funny because it's true. But you just look at the way the guy is. But he's also so low, right? He's only five foot six. Yeah, yeah. You know, Makachev's 5'10. And there's a weight difference there. But I look at the sense here is like there's not much of a, a reach difference, right? Uh, there's one inch reach difference here for Volkanovsky. So when it comes to striking, it's like, all right, where 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 is the real difference here? Well, for Makachev, it's the size mm-hmm. and that's it. You know what I mean? He, I, I'm sure Volkanovski will put some weight on, but if if Makachev wants to, you need to get him to the ground, and you need to kind of keep Volkanovski on the yeah. ground, and you need to make him do everything he can. But all the way, all like so that way, in the third and fourth or fifth rounds, he is exhausted from trying to lift you off his body. Right. But you got to get him down first, and yep. he's a low center of gravity kind of guy, just like his neck, and trying to choke him out. It's impossible. <laughs> but getting him down is very hard because he's already, like I said, rugby player. He's got a good core. He's got a good strength. He's very good at not like taking guys down. So it's very tough. So I look at this fight as it's probably going to be a lot more stand up than taking down. But if Makachev can get in a couple takedowns and just, you know, sure. waste away a couple rounds, then you know what? I, I, it's probably over for Volkanovsky in general, because it's just going to be tough to do. And like you said, that's where I feel the 10 days notice will probably be hurt him the most. It's like, you're just not used to the, the everybody lying on top of you, sure. kind of wasting your energy, trying to get them off the jujitsu kind of element to it and wrestling the, that whole defending takedowns every, like it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of uh, stamina away from you. Uh, let's talk about the, the, the co-main event. This is Hamzat Chimeyev and, uh, excuse me, taking on Kamara Usman. And you and I have talked about this, this guy before. I, I, a while ago was a lot higher on Chimeyev than I am now. Yeah. He sort of seems like a bit of a douche at this point. Right. And we've seen an entire card thrown into flux because he missed weight by like, what was it? Like 11 pounds or something ridiculous like that. And that I thought. 
was going to set him back a little bit and the UFC would have trouble trusting him, right? Selling a pay-per-view with your name on the main event slot and it doesn't even look like you came close to making an effort to to getting down to the weight you needed to be at. But he's still unquestionably a dangerous, dangerous fighter. So he's supposed to take on Paulo Costa. That doesn't end up happening. Costa gets hurt. He needs to, uh, I believe he's already had surgery. Um, he had the elbow surgery two weeks ago and yeah. he kept saying that he was going to still fight. Yeah. I was like, are you ridiculous? <laughs> like, I knew that that was already a problem right when he announced he had to get that elbow surgery. Yeah. So they go to Kamaru Usman, who dominated the welterweight division for quite some time. And to circle back to Chimeyev for a second, we've seen Chimeyev at a few different weight classes and, and clearly they told him, you're not doing this anymore. You can't make it. You're going to fight a middleweight. Like to me, that decision was made for him. Uh, but now you see Usman, who's always been a welterweight guy, but lost his title, lost the rematch. And he's in a similar situation a little bit to some of these guys that we've seen in the past where it's like, I don't know what my next direction is. I don't know, you know, I'm not going to get another shot at Leon Edwards for a while. I've already faced the, you know, the Colby Covingtons and whatever else in the division. What am I going to do? Do they call him on 10 days notice and ask, you want to fight Shemaev? And he's going to have to move up a weight class to do it. But this is a really interesting matchup. And I think this has the opportunity or this creates an opportunity for Usman to put himself right back on the map as a, a killer. If you can stop the runaway train that has been Kamzat Shemaev, I think he could really establish himself here. And I think the way he fights is a really interesting and potentially dangerous matchup for Shemaev. Yeah, it's for both of them. Yeah, um, yeah. One, credit a lot to Usman for taking this fight on short notice too. Like this is a guy, I love it for him because... I've always liked Kamaru Usman, the way he fights, the way he handles Same. himself as a champion. I feel like he's tried to be the bad boy a little bit too much more than he really yeah. is, and I think he's learned the hard way. Just don't worry about that stuff. Whatever his fights between uh, Colby Covington or uh, Jorge Masvidal, where these guys were trying to get him to trash talk, trying to get in his head, and it never really worked. No, I like this idea of, look, like, you know, like you said, he was dominating. You know, the first round against Leon Edwards, uh, you know, we saw Usman get taken down and mm -hmm. kind of beat up a bit. Then he absolutely dominated and cleaned the floor with Leon Edwards, who took a head kick in the fifth round. Yeah. To, so he to destroys him. him rounds two, three, and four. And in round five, it looks like Usman's cruising to victory. And yeah. then wham, head kick, out cold, title change. Title change. And then it's like the big thing you want to always see for guys that go on these long title runs and these long... Uh, long runs, but also just so dominant in the octagon. How do you bounce back after a sudden victory or a sudden loss like yeah. that or a knockout loss, yeah. especially a, like a gruesome, like that was, he was out for a while. It wasn't like a quick oh, yeah. couple seconds. Like he was on the mat almost until, you know, they did the, the title ceremony it at the end. down the octagon the next morning. <laughs> yeah. Like it was, it was a very big thunderous leg kick that yeah. took down Kamaru Usman and we saw in the rematch fight against Leon Edwards, he wasn't the same fighter. He was hesitant. He was nervous. Whereas Leon Edwards kind of dominated the fight, just doing his thing and just winning the fight. And that's all he did. And it wasn't very flashy. It wasn't the best fight, mm -hmm. but we just noticed a completely different Kamaru Usman. Yes. And I'm guaranteeing that that weighed in on him a very good bit. That probably took a lot out of him to be like, you know what? I just wasn't the same guy. Now to fight a guy that's, you know, arguably he just such a well-rounded guy one he's got some power but he's just such an aggressive fighter he's right in your face as soon as that ref says let's go and he's in your face trying to take you down wrestle you around he won't get off of you no. he wants to attack you and he wants to leech onto you and just wear you down completely ground and pound looking for the submission finishes the fight early he wants to beat you up like he is just a uh, 
fun fighter to watch, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Chumayev, when, like you said, he's not being a clown with his weight class. <laughs> you know, when he's on the mic, he's the wolf. He's the, I want to kill everybody. I'm going to kill. I'm coming for everybody. I want to win all the titles. And he's kind of that clownish kind of guy. But yeah. he also is a guy that can back it up in the octagon. Sure. So for Usman to kind of jump and take this, like I said, he's already been challenging Usman for a title shot while welterweight. And he said, no, I'm not fighting this guy. He has to, you know, work his way up here. But then we saw him beat Gilbert Burns. And Gilbert Burns was she the number two. Yeah, Burns, yeah. And then we saw it, which he was the number two ranked guy at the time. Yeah. So he was setting himself up for a nice middleweight fight. But then he kind of ruined everything with this whole Diaz fight and having to kind of move around and Tony Ferguson and everything that happened with his last fight, yep. missing weight. Dana White wasn't very happy. We haven't really seen this guy in quite a while. No, so, when was the last time he fought? Uh, it's well, been a long time, man. Well, and that's the thing. For Hamza Chimaev, I don't know if that was a penalty or if, if something happened, but it was September of last year right. when he fought Kevin Holland. Right. And you go back, he's kind of had some distances, right? He fought in April of 2022 against uh, Gilbert Burns, and that's when he won by decision. But that was the guy that, you know, Gilbert Burns is a tough dude. And he stood in there and he took a beating, but he lost that fight yep. very much well. So, and he he actually kind of caught Hamza Chimaev, kind of gave him a bit of a beat up. Kevin Holland, not so much. He ended up just pretty much getting, you know, dusted in the first round by a <laughs> submission two minutes in by Hamza Chimaev. Um, so when I look at Chimaev coming into this fight against Usman, Usman's got a lot to prove here. If you lose here this fight, man, you're kind of really falling back down. One, this is already a short fight and it's on, uh, it's a different weight class, like your middleweight. So not Again, big. on 10 days notice, same thing we said about Volkanovski, right? Doesn't have to cut. It usually happens like that, yeah. As far as you normally would, right? He nor- he's used to fighting a welterweight. We're only going to ask you to cut down to middleweight. But but Shemayev's a big dude too, right? And yeah. and this is and one of the things that's been interesting about the Shemayev phenomenon is there's been people who find reasons to kind of duck him. Like there's been lots of guys oh, who don't want to fight Shemayev because he's been killing people, right? Well, like he's yeah. but there's long. There's lots of questions about him. He's had these long breaks. He had the COVID thing for a while that slowed him down. Yeah, I thought then he was going to retire, I think, right. or something like that. And then he was fucking around with his his weight cuts and everything. So it's hard to remember, but this guy has been on a war path and just crushing people. Like, like he's been Goldberg in 1998 WCW, just dusting jobbers all over the place. And so not only have some guys not wanted to get in, 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 the, in the octagon with him, you look at Usman now. It's not just I'm agreeing to fight this guy. I'm agreeing to fight this guy on 10 days notice who has been killing people. And I think this is a calculated move by Usman who, look, my career's already sort of, look, it's not on the rocks. He's going to be fine. He's one of the best ever in that division. But if I beat this guy, I rock it back into mm-hmm. contention, right? I look great again. And if I lose... I won't make excuses, but there will be people out there who understand, well, this guy's been killing everybody and I took it on 10 days. No, it's like, I, I don't know that he has a whole lot to lose here. I think it, another loss is damaging, but not as damaging as it would be back at welterweight on full camp, right? He's sort of got, again, you hesitate to use the word excuses, but there will be some things that he'll be able to lean on after the fight if it doesn't go his way. Whereas if it does go his way, man, what a way to reestablish yourself. And I think this is dangerous for... For Chimeyev, one of the things that Chimeyev does is he just out wrestles everybody. Well, yeah. who's got who's a better wrestler than than Kamaru Usman, right? Like, and his we've seen him stuff attempt after attempt from lots of guys. He has tremendous takedown defense, and if he can force Chimeyev to stay up and box like that jab that Usman brings, if he can reach Chimeyev with that a couple of times, like I, I don't know, man. I I I can see why Chimeyev's the favorite, but I don't think that this is like a foregone conclusion. I think Usman could could shock everybody here. 
Yeah, I'd be uh, I'd be a little surprised. It, it's tough. Like I'm on the uh, Shamayev is going to probably beat him up pretty good. I, yeah. I just think the age difference, the way he fights, the aggressiveness. It's something that Usman has not faced before. The aggressiveness is just such a different breed of watching this guy. And, and you brought up his his fighting record. Like this is a guy that fought July fifteenth, twenty twenty, beat John Phillips yeah. uh, submission in the second round. He then came back to fight ten days later, Reese McKee, yeah. and knocked this guy out uh, one minute, uh, three minutes into the first round. So ten days. So three July fifteenth, like one July. July 25th, and then he fought September 19th against yeah. Gerald Michard. He knocked him out as well. well. Well, knocked him out 17 seconds into that fight. So he, <laughs> he realistically fought three times in about two months. Yeah. And that was crazy. So the fact that this guy has only fought, you know, he, you're basically looking at it a full year off. Like he's basically had a one-year suspension. Yes. You know, more than a year suspension almost. I look at that in the sense that the UFC probably gave him a They hands, punished him a bit. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a punishment because this is a guy that was rocketing up there. Um, when it comes back to Kamaru Usman though, like this is a guy who's 36 years old. He's been through quite a bit and now he's at the point where he's been knocked out and he's just a little hesitant. Now you're fighting a guy that's super aggressive. Are you going to, how are you going to fight this? Are you going to remain calm in the octagon or are you going to be aggressive because you want to make sure that this guy doesn't take you down as much? So well, the other thing there is again, the, the number of rounds, right? Usman, when was the last time Kamaru Usman fought a three round fight? He's been all title fights for as long as anyone can remember. Mm-hmm. I wonder what it does to his mind to, I better come out a little more aggressive, right? I can't drag this guy into the deep water of four and five rounds. I better try and get something done quick. I think you could see both guys be really aggressive here. Yeah, well, that's what I'm curious to see because I don't know if you want to be aggressive against Jemayev because this guy has some serious striking too. Like yep. this guy yep. is, uh, he's really a natural and just crazy fighter. He's he a really very, he's, he's kind of a he's unicorn. A monster. He is a monster in there. And the thing I want to look at, and I saw Usman talking about it today, um, but when he was doing his open workouts, he was uh, doing, which open workouts, it's basically a media thing for the fans. You yeah. kind of come, you watch these guys, they go on stage, they kind of do a little bit of wrestling, a couple takedowns. The fans all kind of, there's nothing that really happens. It's kind of more of just a, a little show for sure. half an hour. But during that, there was a takedown with him and uh, Justin Gaethje. They trained at the same gym with Trevor Whitman, mm-hmm. uh, but they were training and there was a takedown and Usman got up instantly and whispered something to Gaethje. People were saying it looks like something happened with his knee. It looks like he, you know, he might have said, whispered something, his knee popped. He came out and said, how does anybody know what the hell I'm talking about when I'm whispering to Justin Gaethje about yeah. what happened here? I finished and I sparred a little bit at the end and then I got off the stage. It's kind of ridiculous. People would assume that my knee popped in this, but it's something to watch. Yep. I don't want to say, like, I'm not saying Usman's lying here, but when something like that happens, uh, no to the ordinary it, like that. It, it yep. is something that it's worth noting because maybe something did happen and lines, he's a guy. anybody's going to find out, it'll be those fuck. <laughs> well, that's a, well, that's the thing. And nobody also wants to kind of go into this fight short notice. He has an injury. He's got a hundred excuses on the boat. He doesn't want that. He wants to come in and fight this fight yep. and that's it. So I'm, ass- I'm going to assume something. There's maybe more than nothing there, but he took a lot of offense to it. So if his knee is banged up, well, like I said, you're, you know, who's going for the single leg takedown every single time already. Shumayev is going to be all over him. So there's something to watch. I, I think it's going to be a good fight. I think it's not going to be a total domination, but I do think Shumayev is going to win this fight. Mm-hmm. I just think that he is just so aggressive and and the way he fights, he hasn't fought in a year, so his body is completely fresh. Yeah. Usman is kind of, you know, I don't want to say been through it a bit. He's been through it a bit. And like I said, the age thirty six, like uh, a lot of these fighters, when they get older, it's it's tougher for them to maintain this stuff. And like I said, it's just coming off of the the loss, like this. Like this, if you're fighting, and I don't want to say he had this, like if you had a layup, it would be easier for him to kind of get his confidence back. But this is just a fight that I'm really shocked he took on short notice because there's not a lot. Like unless you win this fight, it's there's not a lot going for you. If you lose this fight, it's like okay, where do you go from here now? Yeah, like, we see that differently. I, I to me, I think he's got everything to gain and really not that much to lose. I yeah. coming in on short notice. So that's just a difference of opinion. I always ask you, you know, 
what else has caught your attention maybe further down the card, whether it be on the main card or, or the prelims. Um, it's a pretty good-looking card. I'm curious what other fights you might have your eye on. Yeah, uh, I want to bring up the light heavyweight fight that's going to be before this, um, uh, Magomed Ankalea versus Johnny Walker. Yeah. Johnny Walker's kind of put himself in a spot where he wants to get back to the title contention, and he's a good fan favorite. Ankalaya really let everybody down in his kind of title fight when I think he had a majority draw against Makovic, and it was just like these guys were – Okay, and Uncle I was uh, undefeated at the time, and he or well, he had the one loss. That but. was where they had like the three straight fights fall apart, right? For yeah. the light heavyweight title. Yeah. yeah, well, they made a new one right after the majority draw for the yeah. light, and it was yeah, just yeah. like where Dana White was just like, "What the hell is this?" Because <laughs> Uncle I was just like walking around, but he just it was a really disappointing effort yes. from him. But Johnny Walker is in a spot now where he's kind of on a bit of a heater, and now he's going to be coming in looking to fight Ankalaev. Ankalaev is a guy that's uh, you know he's a very chill fighter but one of the russians that you know he's 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 very good but i feel like he just had a clunker in his last one against bokovic yeah so what is he we're going to find out very quickly but this is one that can set up a t- potential title fight sure too, yeah, down yeah. the road and for johnny walker if he can get that win i'm excited to see uh him he, you know like i said he's i love watching him in the octagon he's always entertaining he's always fun on the mic mm-hmm. johnny walker is a real good guy to watch but i'm going to go with uh i'm going to pick the one fighter that you want me to bring up uh because <laughs> there's a couple but i like this one but ikram alice Karov. this guy is new to the ufc he's only been around since dana white's contender series he has two first round wins he also beat phil hawes in the <laughs> first round um uh, by knockout back in uh, back in May in his first technically UFC debut, but he is another one of these Russian guys. He's thirty years old. He's under well, he's fourteen and one, but he hasn't lost in the UFC. But he's an aggressive guy that I'm very curious to see in the octagon. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch that. He's fearing, uh, he's fighting against Warley Alves. So Warley Alves usually that. Yeah, he's not much. So <laughs> it's one of those where I think that he's put on the main card to kind of show that he's he's nasty too. Right. Uh, so that's one I'm watching for uh, in this. Like, there's a lot I could go through. A couple of them, you know, um, just guys that you want to watch. I'll just give a quick name. But sure. Sayed Nurmagomedov is one too. Yeah. Mohammed Mokayev. He's uh, the last fight of the prelims. He's fighting Tim Elliott, but Mohammed Mokayev as well, undefeated. But he's uh, you know a guy that has a lot of hype around him. He's 23 years old. Uh, he looks nasty and looks like he's the real deal. He's got a couple sub wins the last little while, um, a lot of sub wins actually. So since he's been in the UFC, there's a lot of hype around him. So a lot of these guys, I'm curious to see to get in the octagon. But the main one I want to see uh, is Askarov. Like I think that this guy has the potential in the middleweight division to kind of quickly climb up the rankings very fast. So I'm looking at the the time here, and we got UFC 295 is in three weeks, and it looks crazy as well. And I don't want to squeeze it. Can we get you back in here that week rather than trying to squeeze it in today? Can we, oh, you think we can try and make that happen? Twist my arm. Yeah, yeah. We can absolutely do it. All right. So uh, rather than trying to jam that into today when we've already, uh, you know, we, we're going long and, and Bunda's got work to do here today as well. But uh, 295, it's too stacked to try and do it as an afterthought here today. So we'll get Bunda back in here. That card, I believe, is Saturday, November 11. So we'll try and get something done uh, in the couple days leading up to that. Oh, we don't live too far from each other. We can, but we, we, can, we, we can make that happen for sure. Because, yeah, lots on that fight uh, card that we can bring up as yeah, well. Yeah, Johnny Jones going to be back in there. Like it's, uh, whatever. I know how you feel about that guy. And I'm not really much of a Miocic guy. We we can get into all that, I guess, next time. But uh, yeah. That'll be great. Lots of more fight news too, Connor. There's a lot. I mean, that guy's all over the map. There's uh, we could talk fights stuff, for six hours. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot going on. But uh, I love talking fights, so let's uh, let's find another way to do it. But uh, like I said, much um, much more looking forward to this card than it was, uh, you know, two three weeks ago. Hundred percent. So man. excited for two ninety four on Saturday. It's unfortunate the guys have gotten hurt, and that's how this has played out. 
but at the end of the day, when you sit down to watch this thing, it, there's no doubt it's it's better now than it was. And and credit to the UFC for making that happen, right? Like, there's yeah. no question you would have had to you had to pay these guys to come in here, right? Like the the other thing yeah. we didn't talk about with Usman, there's some risk here. There's also a six figure payout in it. So yeah, <laughs> whatever happens. At least you've done pretty well. And these these uh, these Abu Dhabi cards always have a bit of a different feel to them, right? They're, Yas they're, they're Island, Fight yeah, Island, yeah. let's go. Honestly, they're, they're a big deal. And so this is going to be fun. And uh, it, it, like I said, Saturday afternoon, uh, we'll probably be trading tweets as uh, as the card rolls on. So hope everybody will uh, give us a follow Remember, there. afternoon fight, 2 o'clock. That's it. Pre-li- early prelims, I think, start at 10 a.m. That's gorgeous, man. Roll yeah. out of bed, grab a little breakfast. Prelims start at Watch noon. guys beat the yeah. hell out of each other. That's right. I love it. I, I do like it. I wish it was ABC and not pay-per-view. Yeah. But hey, let's not pull. Let's not get too wild here. I appreciate you coming in, man. Yes. Enjoy the rest of uh, horror movie season. There's going to be a lot more to get to. Yes. Um, I'm loving Halloween. And I'm uh, again, thanks for having me on. And uh, one more uh, shout out to Lake Bays and uh, our, our my very good friend who dropped me off these beautiful beers. Yes. Oh man, they're tasty. Shout out to Angela who Angela, takes good care of us around here. I love you, Angela. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, one, uh, having beers or giving me beers, but two, uh, giving me a good assortment and also mixing in a pumpkin ale because yep. I love Halloween and I love this time of year. So very tasty beers. Uh, absolutely recommend checking them out. 100% man. Lake of Bays, they make some nice stuff and, and Angela's a good friend of the show. So all of that is, uh, is tremendous. I appreciate you coming in here, man, making some time. Uh, I know it's been a crazy week or two for you here. It's, well, it's always a crazy week for Bunda, the hardest working man in showbiz, right? So uh, we'll wind this one down. For Steve Bunda, my name is Matt Robinson. Make sure you're following him on social media at SteveBunda91, especially if you want to keep track of the, uh, the what movies are going down here over the final home stretch of uh, horror movie season. We are on social media at Tall Can Audio, and uh, we will be back on Monday morning. Rob, Rob. Rob will be back here. Uh, he's Rats. missed a couple of weeks. I was out of town. He was out of town. Thanksgiving, all that stuff. Rob will be back on Monday. So uh, we'll see you all for that one. Have a great weekend. The hell is that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy? <laughs>